wait a minute, we're slowly starting to collect, collect this, uh, you know, or amass this collection of musicians and young kids who are like, dude, I want to be, I want to be on the warp tour. I want to, you know, start a band. It's like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go on a limb and say this. We actually kind of were like the model for school of rock. Um, okay. For you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Because it was like, again, you know, almost artist development league. You want to do this? You want to test to see if this is if you've got the the gumption to to stick this out? Mm-hmm. Well, we will give you practical like on the job training. You're listening to For the Record, conversations about music, mixing, and the creative industry. Our guest today is Vegas. Vegas, how would you describe yourself? Brother, you take MacGyver, mix him with James Bond, throw in a little bit of Robin Hood, and uh, that's truly who I aspire to be. He has worked in a bunch of spaces in the music industry and beyond throughout his life. Love that. Yeah, right? oh, that, was a, that was a classic intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the last episode of For the Record Sweet. for this season. Man, I'm honored. Thanks yeah. for having me. Man, it's exciting. And I've been wanting to have you in the space and on the show for a while now. It's a, As I said before, it's a beautiful space. You guys have done a lot of good work here. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like I'm just like digging for compliments every time I say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I truly appreciate it. So as uh, you said, um, you gave a pretty eclectic description yes, of yourself. Um, now is the moment where you can just, I want you to just straight up flex on who you are and what you've done. Ooh. Like, I know you're a humble dude. Just go off. All right, man. Well, Timer's I, going, but, I, you know, please. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll back backtrack. You know, the, the whole MacGyver, James Bond, Robin Hood. If you think about those guys, you know, MacGyver was one of the, like, I can do more with less. James Bond was one of those guys that could get himself out of any situation Mm -hmm. that he seemingly found himself in. And Robin Hood was like the generous, like, man, how can I just help you? How can I serve you better? And so that that's kind of been the the guiding, you know, um, force really Mm -hmm. since man, I I started um, picking up sticks when I was a little kid, which then morphed into a bunch of things. which uh, has opened a lot of amazing doors. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, somewhat cheesy uh, a couple years ago. It's it's older now. But there there's something beautiful and poetic about, like, giving energy in saying yes and opening mm-hmm. yourself up to things. I look back over the last 25, 30 years, um, a lot of the things I've been able to do, I probably had zero business doing, Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, a combination, right place, right time, knowing the right people. But I think the the greater thing for me was, again, looking at those three personality types, MacGyver, James Bond, and, you know, Robin Hood, um, it was like, yeah, why can't I do this? Mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot, you know? And um, yeah, so that, that, that kind of mindset, uh, everything from doing, you know, Drury Lane, uh, Marriott, Lincolnshire, like dinner theater type stuff, mm-hmm. um, to then doing soundtrack work for, you know, big big movies with Disney and Universal. To then picking up just playing with you know cover bands and wedding bands on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you did soundtrack work with Disney. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and we'll go back now, twenty something years. Um, actually, we'll we'll go back even like you know late nineties. 
Um, I, well, we'll go back even further than that. How about okay. this, right? right. You, you said I got the floor. So <laughs> you up, have, you I have the floor. with a stage mom, mm -hmm. like a literal stage mom. Love you, mom. Um, grew up with a stage mom who was an amazing pianist in her own right. Mm -hmm. Um, truly now my grandmother was a classically trained like pianist as well as percussionist. Mm -hmm. Um, piano's a percussion instrument, everybody, but, um, <laughs> So I, I gained a lot of music experience, you know, and just uh, from them hanging out with them. My mom was always accompanying solo ensemble things in junior high. Mm -hmm. I, I did do the cheesy like I'm, um, you know, picking up the the sticks formally in like fourth grade in our band program. Um, mm -hmm. But I also was the kid that set up pots and pans all over the house, um, you know, Keith Moon style, Dave Grohl style, and just I don't know if if I can if I can hit it, you know, let's let's give it a chance, kind of a thing. Right. Um, so. I grew up formally doing like music programs in you know grade school into junior high into high school and the funny thing is I grew up uh, south suburbs um, smaller high school at the time when I was there we went through like three band directors in my four years that I was there mm -hmm. which also meant we lost a lot of kids in in the band program yeah um, so I remember my senior year actually I was like the only drummer mm -hmm. so we rolled out a full drum set and I would do like the whole field show on a drum set, um, and occasionally they'd pull like an oboist to do like cymbals or whatever. But mm. um, anyway, you know, so you know that that kind of got the the bug. And at the same time, as you can tell, I'm I'm, I'm a talker and just working with different private lesson teachers. And they're like, dude, I I need a sub for this show. Where can I find someone? I don't know. Do you think I could do it? And you know, they they'd give me an opportunity to jump in. Um, so I. Enrolled in '96 at Belmont University in Nashville okay. um, to do music. Yeah, went down there for a summer little semester and realized, like, man, like at that time, love Belmont, love that community, love that uh, that environment. But there was really this push of, like, you're here because you want to be famous. Um, you know, and, and where I was at in my life, just relationally, spiritually, even emotionally, headspace-wise, I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's, not, that's not who I am as a player. Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm more of like the pocket guy, let me serve the song, let me serve you, what do you need? To, I'll take direction. If, if you don't like what I'm doing, speak up, it's your project, not mine, you know? And mm -hmm. so at that moment, it's like, man, I don't know about this. So I transferred to a, a school up in Elgin, yes, to follow a girl. I met this amazingly hot girl um, when playing with a band in Atlanta, and they're like, dude, she lives right by us. She goes to this school in Elgin. I'm like, I got to transfer. <laughs> so my, my parents, who had at this point invested thousands upon thousands of dollars with private lessons with like the Chicago Symphony because I was doing uh, chamber work and orchestra work and playing with some youth symphonies and youth orchestras and then you know again investing money in all of this gear and I'm playing with jazz combos and you know at that point uh, like little you know brass bands and wedding bands are like I'm sorry so you're leaving Nashville which is kind of like a mecca of music and you want to come up to Elgin <laughs> and it's like Yes. And then my parents thought I was nuts until my dad then met who is now my wife. So it worked out. Uh, and as soon as he met her, he's like, okay, I totally get it. This makes sense. So here's, here's why that, that, See, is that amazing. makes the story beautiful. Yeah. You know? Right. I think so. And he called her like the tanned goddess or something. Cause she had just gotten back from, I think Mexico the first time they met and she was super tan. Anyway, I say that to say, so 90, Seven, the January-ish, uh, yeah, January-ish of 97, I'm at the school in Elgin, 
and I'm walking down just like one of the paths, and it's like my ears perk up. I'm like, wait a minute, that's live music. Because mm-hmm. you know the difference. You know, it's like some kids blasting a, a you know a CD or something. Because that's when we all had CDs. We didn't stream anything. Right. Um, and so I pop into you know this music space that they had there on the the university campus, and here's a band playing. So me introduce myself. What are you guys doing? And you know it's a uh, a gospel band in that industry named named Church of Rhythm, who was transitioning out of being like a, a a Backstreet Boys boy band. Church of Rhythm is that like School of Rock? It kind of right, absolutely, That's yeah. Awesome. Which we'll get to that because that that even kind of plays into it a little bit. Um, <laughs> of course, it but does. But Church of Rhythm was really this this you know uh, gospel band ahead of their time. Um, had they come out as the boy band version, you know, four vocalists, amazing vocalists, like mm-hmm. truly like these guys, oh my goodness, and their harmonies together, but they were transitioning, adapting in that industry, they're bringing in now live musicians and they're making this like an alt rock kind of a, a 90s band. Okay. Um, and so anyway, so they're using the university as a practice space because they all live locally, Barrington, Gurney, all of these things. And again, I introduced myself and, you know, and um, I, I don't know what, what sparked or whatever, but actually I, I kind of do the drummer was also finishing up school at the time Mm -hmm. and he and i you know began a a quick friendship and he got stuck rocking a hard place he needed to be you know at the school to do some sort of uh internship or like student teaching kind of a thing yeah and but the band had booked all of these shows and these are like nationwide you know so i mean they're going from you know, uh, Glenwood Springs, Colorado, up to Spokane, and then down to Jacksonville, Florida. And they don't have a drummer. And they don't have a drummer. Ah. And so enter, you know, me of like, so within two weeks of being on campus at this university, um, I'm already out on the road, you know, playing shows with these guys. That's dope. Um, which, again, and then there was like a moment of like with my parents who were still questioning, you know, their their financial investment in my musical, you know, future. It's like, <laughs> you see this? I spent a whole summer in Nashville nothing networking and you know we'll bring that up later because it it plays into things but i'm like here i'm here two weeks and i'm already on the road Mm -hmm. um so i ended up going through the university program in three semesters so i could be graduated because these guys are like booking shows left and right Mm -hmm. and then during that time that band kind of morphed into another band named super chick um, ah. Yep. So that was so the guitar player, the main singer songwriter, um, Max, who is a musical genius, um, by the way, uh, Max Sue, HSU, musical genius, um, kind of had this idea for a project mm-hmm. of in that industry at that time, there wasn't a lot of voices for young girls. Mm-hmm. Like truly. And so the the goal of the whole project really was to we're just gonna be the studio guys. We're gonna write, we're gonna arrange. But then we want to find like five girls that we can then launch on the road, almost a business model. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to create, you know, here's the entity, here's the corporate model, and we're just going to find and you can franchise us, you mm-hmm. know. And so really that was the whole, huh. you know, hope and goal when, when Super Chick started. Um, but then it was, and I don't mean this in a, any other way than how to say it, it was really difficult to find that mm-hmm. many girls who a wanted to learn instruments could play instruments and had the wherewithal and desire to go on the road yeah um, i mean so, it's a pretty specific ask to all of a sudden be like in x amount of time absolutely I need to absolutely jump that, but you know? we were we were very ambitious and we were very you know like and it was it was are you about a, to tell me that you helped start super chick absolutely 
A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I can tell you that, and it was 1997. It was at a, a, a concert with Church of Rhythm. Uh, we just got off the slopes snowboarding. Dave, Max Dave Gazarian, again, amazing jazz pianist and phenomenal guitar player. He's got a bunch of jazz albums. Check it out. It's under the name David Ian. Downbeat did a, a wonderful review of his last jazz album. Mm-hmm. Um, his Christmas and Valentine's albums, do yourself a favor, go get them because they are they are phenomenal. Anyway, so Dave, Max, and I are sitting backstage just kind of, you know, lamenting, talking about this this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Max had some song ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And so we just kind of, you know, piece some things together. Again, all with that mind of like, we're just going to be the background. Mm-hmm. So... So enter Super Chick. Super Chick started, and if you go on the the silly Wikipedia page or anywhere, you look them up, because um, you know it started before the dawn of the internet, so to speak. You right, know, right, and right. so information is fuzzy and all this. But I think in the twenty, you know, ninety seven to two thousand seventeen, um, the twenty years that they kind of maintained that their long, you know, their career. Yeah, the, there were probably thirty some people that were popping in and out. Um, because we also, again, Dave, Max, we had this heart of, dude, you want to be a musician? Mm-hmm. Well, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Mm-hmm. Come on out with us. You, when you say people that are that were rotating out, are you talking about on the back end or like the the musicians that were in the band? Both, actually. actually okay. Yeah, both. Because um, I'm not super read into Super Chick. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and this is how we get to the soundtrack stuff. But um, Right. So, so the, the soundtrack oh, stuff. I, I promise you guys, like, I'm a tangent talker, but I never forget. Right, we will circle. Okay. We will get there. I never it's forget. A train. And uh, here's the other preface I usually give when I, I even do, like, leadership teachings is, like, literally all the stories I tell you are true, half of them are believable. You know, it's yeah. one of those things. Mm-hmm. But so... Uh, Super Chick is kind of going at this point. I am getting married uh, February of 99. So now I need to find a little bit of a, a replacement to give myself a couple weeks for, you know, honeymoon, all this stuff. And so there were two boys I grew up with, two boys, two brothers I grew up with. Um, that I kind of invited, like, man, they're 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 good musicians. One of the first bands I was ever in was with their dad, mm-hmm. um, and and really we had this heart of just find us young guys. Mm-hmm. We can teach them, we can train them, we can mold them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I introduced at my wedding these two brothers to then Max and Dave, and they hit it off. And then we had that was two... some last minute planning. If you needed a replacement because you were getting married, and you introduced them at your wedding, Abs- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, I mean, sometimes that's how that's how things work. And it wasn't for lack of trying, but it was for lack of like again finding the right person to fill that spot. Who then it's like, yeah, I I can go on the road for three weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, we're up in Gurney all the way down to Tinley Park. You know, that was kind of the the geographical span in mm-hmm. in the Illinois area here. Um, so we start kind of, you know, putting together this, what is in our minds, like almost this artist development league mm-hmm. of, you know, okay, wait, we went into this with like, all right, there's no voices for girls. How do we write this project? But then it's like, wait a minute, we're slowly starting to collect, collect this uh, you know, or amass this collection of musicians and young kids who are like, dude, I want to be, I want to be on the Warp Tour. I want to, you know, start a band. It's like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say this: we actually kind of were like the model for School of Rock. Um, okay. For you see what I'm saying? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because it was like, 
again, you know, almost artist development league. You want to do this. You want to test to see if this is if you've got the the gumption to to stick this out. Mm-hmm. Well, we will give you practical like on the job training. Mm-hmm. And but we didn't make anybody like schlep gear and stuff like that. It was more <laughs> like. Dude, come see what it's about. You know, it's it sounds awesome. I tell my kids they there are two things they never have to ask me for permission to join a band or get a tattoo. I I think <laughs> I'm okay with it. And if they pick the tattoo, they better. I hope they like it. But, um, you, you know, so again, it's hard. You know, it, it looks great on paper of like, dude, we're traveling. You know, van and trailer across the country. Mm-hmm. It, it gets old after like a week. You know, um, mm-hmm. unless you really have that call or that desire. Um, yeah. And I think that's a lot of industries. It's like on the front, it's like, oh my gosh, I totally want to do that. Mm-hmm. But then you get into it, you're like, yeah, man, this isn't what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Or even, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the Justin Bieber movie, I Am a Believer. Um, the Justin Bieber movie, uh, Never Say Never. Right? You saw, you saw it? Yeah, I watched it. it. It's, so I used to, I taught at a high school for a while, mm-hmm. and I would do um, kind of the jobs classes. Okay. Because, again, I don't stop talking, and then, like, the, the department chair is like, wow, you've had a 1,000 jobs. You're the perfect person to talk to kids about getting jobs. Right. It's like, wait a minute, that, I, I don't, was that a backhanded compliment? Or <laughs> was that a, so I used to show the movie, though, like, once it, you know, finally came out on DVD. I did take my oldest daughter to go see it in the theater. It was a moment, everybody. Um, <laughs> I used to use beautiful. that because you look at like him growing up, mm-hmm. Justin Bieber truly self-made, you know, was like, get out of my way. I'm going to use technology. I'm going to use YouTube. I'm going to teach myself instruments. But then there's a beautiful scene in the movie where he is meeting with like a vocal coach. Mm-hmm. And this vocal coach is like, do you want to just be a one hit wonder or do you want to have longevity? Mm-hmm. And and it's a very mature kind of conversation for him because then she's like, sorry, buddy, you, you can't really yell. If you you got to protect that vocal box. You can't yell. You really shouldn't be eating fried foods. So no chicken with your buddies or donuts or even pizza because of the grease. And your cords are still developing. And again, do you want to be the one-hit wonder or do you want to have longevity? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there there is kind of that that beautiful conscious decision that he makes of like, no, 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 this is what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would use that again in, the, in that job. But then bringing it back around to, to Super Chick, there was that moment of like, everybody is just enamored with, oh, sweet, man, we're, we're getting a van and trailer, we're going to go do this. Mm-hmm. But like eating Subway for the umpteenth time, you know, in the same week, um, because that's all you have, you know, cash for or per diems for or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I just, I want something other than a deli tray, you know? It's, <laughs> and so those things, which again, I, I don't mean to overly sensationalize or whatever, you know, because jokes abound with all of that stuff. But so Super Chick started writing a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. um, uh, just writing tons of songs and just let's start putting them together and let's start. And for a while... And again, here's where you know, man connections and just doors open and right place, right time. We started doing um, showcases for like Def Jam Records out mm-hmm. of New York, which is primarily like a hip hop label. Mm-hmm. But the owners of Def Jam were like, "Man, we love artists who have conviction, who actually have something to say." Mm-hmm. And so I'll even give you a quick, quick Reader's Digest. So the name Super Chick. Mm-hmm. came out of this girl's AOL screen name. If you don't know what AOL is, just go back <laughs> and look it up. It's it's like, you know, Messenger now um, meets chat rooms. But uh, And her screen name was Super Chick, C-H-I-C, 11. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she told this beautiful story one night after a concert, and this was with Church Rhythm, to be honest with you, um, of how she was always like the square peg in the round hole. Mm-hmm. She was always like, yeah, I've got a lot of friends, but I never get invited anywhere. Everybody likes me, but... I'm always in the background, you know, and in mm-hmm. high school, you're always struggling with identity and yeah. who you are and all of that. And then they tell the story. She tells the story of how she was befriended by like, it's like, a, it's almost like a stereotypical John Cusack eighties movie, but <laughs> she was befriended by like the head cheerleader mm-hmm. who's also the head of, you know, student council and, you know, uh, is the most popular girl in school mm-hmm. who then said, Hey, you know what? We could help you be popular. You know, you just got to change your clothes and you just have to do this. And mm. high school is a cruel place for that kind of stuff. But right. so this girl went flamboyantly the other way. Mm-hmm. And yes, she's like, oh, absolutely. I will wear that. But then she would wear, you know, ripped leather jackets over it and the, <laughs> the high docks or a tutu over it just to go like, mm-hmm. like screaming the other way of like, actually, I'm still who I am. Mm-hmm. You can't make, you know, and then the the beautiful story, she gets voted prom queen and changes like the whole dynamic of her school. And so hmm. we're hearing this. It's like, oh, my gosh, you stepped into and you found out and discovered who you were. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, that's that's actually a beautiful sentiment, mm-hmm. especially with teenage girls. A lot of them deal with that. And so here it does sound silly to say, you know, here's here's a bunch of, you know, guys in their 20s who are are trying to write and craft this project <laughs> geared towards teen girls to help them with their identity. Right. It's unique, um, you it, know. It, it, it is. It kind of sounds like a red flag situation if you don't yeah. actually, if you just hear it in passing, like you're like, I'm sorry, what? You're going to do what? Exactly. And there's, there's depth to it and there's layers. But so we asked her with respect, like, we love that. We would love to create this project really around that. And she was gracious, and she's like, absolutely. So the original band was Super Chick Eleven, mm-hmm. um, but then anyway, we're doing sound, we're doing showcases, we're doing sh- sound cases for Columbia and for Universal yeah. and Sony out in LA, and then Def Jam, um, which was a, a strange. It was just a, really a strange kind of you know bunch of experiences. Yep. Um, at the Def Jam showcase, we opened with um, Katrina and the Waves walking on sunshine, and it <laughs> tanked. It absolutely tanked. Right. Um, oh, it, it did not translate how we thought it was going to translate. Um, but then, you know, as things happened, the demo got into the hands of John and Dino Elefante, John Elefante from Kansas, okay. um, and his brother Dino, who has this beautiful uh, grand piano, which is actually a, a humidor for all of his cigars. Um, <laughs> so Dino, being more of the, the vocal side of, they created a... Um, a label back in, out of Nashville at that time called Pachyderm Records because their last name is Elefante, Elephants, you know, so they created Pachyderm Records. <laughs> so Dino calls one day and he's like, on, and we, I'm sure Max still has the, the voicemail somewhere, you know, on the actual, like, you know, tape when everybody had answering machines, but it was, <laughs> you have to let me sign this super chic project. This is <laughs> awesome. And we're like, super chic. <laughs> oh my goodness. So literally that day we changed the branding, dropped the 11, and then we put the letter K in brackets at the end, mm-hmm. almost as like a, you know, hopefully nobody will mess this up. But so mm-hmm. Super Chick writing all these songs, we ended up doing uh, the first album in 99 independently up in uh, Gurney at a studio we had like right off of Grand and Dilly's behind Six Flags there. Um huh. And it was fun. Yeah. It was fun because it was it was just a bunch of musicians 
Um, like if you look at like the the kind of the roster on like that first album, again, it's seemingly like there's like a thousand people that contributed to it. <laughs> it's like thank you, Jerome Cumming- Cunningham, for the one bar bass break in you know <laughs> right, right. One Girl Revolution or whatever. Um, at the same time, we're working with a producer out of Nashville, Bill, Bill Deaton, um, am- amazing, amazing producer, you know, yeah. really good ears, who knew a lot of people. Uh, he knew some guys that also were doing music scripting, music casting, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're song finders for like the WB network and the what became the CW network. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, one thing to another to another, and next thing you know, it's like, hey, the WB wants to license this song. Then mm-hmm. it was, wow, well, wait, what is this world? Mm-hmm. You know, of licensing and publishing, and it's like, wait a minute, just you know, you know, pull pull the curtain away, and and it's not you know secret information, but it's, wait a minute, we're gonna actually make more money from that one licensing than the entire year of touring and trying to sell T-shirts. <laughs> it's like, uh, yes, how do we do this more? Um, <laughs> So there almost became this little focus of, you know, okay, well, not that we want to be like a, a pimped out project, mm-hmm. but how do we write things specifically, you know? And again, knowing people that were doing casting at the time and music placement, yep. Um, yep. you know, I want to say at one point, it's like, man, we've got 200 songs, none of them got picked. Well, then it's like, well, let's just start putting them on albums. Yeah. You know, and... Um, and at, at this, you know, uh, at that point in the in the venture of Super Chick, my role kind of changed a little bit because I had a, a lot of kids. So, you know, right. I'm 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 shifting to on the road doing like percussion, mm-hmm. congas, all that fun stuff, turntables, you know, beatboxing, all, the, all, all that things, you know, and then kind of work in the backside of merchandising and ordering T-shirts and all of that. But um, along the way, it's like. Um, Let's see, like MTV picked up a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Universal picked up every like early Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie yep. from Disney mm-hmm. has some super chick song in it. One way, so did okay, Cadet, so Cadet Kelly. So 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 so. So the it's sound, not soundtrack work, right? 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 Yes. Yeah, so that's so was, that's that's, that's the question. Getting, yeah. All right. How did we get into the the soundtrack? Yeah. So really, it was more at that point. You know, they license songs. It's more licensing. You know, and and then you get into that whole world of licensing. But then along the way, you know, we get approached by MTV to say, um, actually, we don't want to pay, uh, you know, a a bigger kind of top tier band to license their song. Mm-hmm. Could we commission you to actually write a theme song? Um, so we did some of that stuff for like the road rules, real world challenge, like seasons like two and three. I don't, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, thanks to the internet, you could probably go back and and find. Um, so there was some of that intentionality, almost in a commissioning sense of, mm. hey, listen, you know, you guys are kind of floating under the radar. You've had a lot of placements. I think at that, you know, at that point, four years in, five years in, there's you know, almost a hundred placements in different, mm-hmm. you know, um, sitcom shows, commercials, NFL films pulled one of them. I think Bud Light pulled one of them. Um, you know, Kim Kardashian West licensed like the whole album, uh, what October of Halloween of like 2019. In the super check album? Yeah. The, the whole first album, because we, one of the songs was used and like the final closing credits of legally blonde, Okay. With Reese Witherspoon, and there's a whole scene in that movie where she's in the hot tub to do her, you know, um, her virtual or her visual resume to get into law school, and so Kim mm-hmm. Kardashian wanted to recreate that whole scene, and she's like, "But I don't know what song is in the background. Mm-hmm. Well, let me go to the soundtrack and let's just license it all." 
Um, Interesting. Yeah, it, it is. So, I mean, it's strange how that kind of, you know, that stuff still pops up every now and again. But, yeah. you know, here 20 years later, um, because, you know, that was early 2000s when, when all of that stuff was going down. But hmm. um, so out of exposure mm-hmm. from, you know, again, and there was one song in particular called One Girl Revolution, which seemingly like Disney was like, let's put this in every movie that has a female lead. Like Which in is the, all of their movies, right, exactly. <laughs> so you know, again, Cadet Kelly with uh, Hillary Duff, and again, all the Mary Kate stuff, and um, that was. And it's here's the funny thing, and I can say this now because you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. That was probably like the least favorite track, and probably the yeah. one that we all despised the most. Huh. It was like this luscious Jackson kind of feel of. And it's so busy. There's so much going on in the track. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm like going to town on a triangle at one point. And it's just, <laughs> it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. And then the overdubs, because, you know, at that time, I mean, we're, we're controlling the environment. It's mm-hmm. like, do you want to put a shaker down? Yes, I do. Well, how about a tamper? Yes, I do. Do you have anything else that you can make noise? With? Yes, let's. You know, so what if we just scream in the background? Oh, oh, truly, I listened to some of the, you know, the the early stuff, especially with that project, yeah. and absolutely, like there were multiple Max again, musical genius, love the guy. Um, he would do the whole, okay, like, we're just setting up a mic. Like, do you have any hype man type stuff? Do you have any, like, <laughs> yeah, all right, come on now. Uh, like and so little ad libs. Yeah, we would yeah. do just passes. Everyone, everyone mm-hmm. in the band, which at that point could have been, you know, 12 people. Um, <laughs> everyone in the band would do a, a pass of just hype man. I don't even know why. I mean, and Max was like <laughs> That sounds this, like a lot of fun, though. Oh, it, it truly was. <laughs> and, and looking back at, at those moments, those experiences, um, truly was man it, yeah. it was it was a heck of a lot of fun and you know here i am driving like you know almost two hours from from tinley up to gurney sometimes or then we had moved to like hoffman estates and i you know i've got this nasty cargo van that i'm schlepping all this gear in and uh-huh. um, because percussion wise like you know not many guys were doing that kind of rig stuff of mm-hmm. congas and bongos and timbales because it's like well we're not a latin band it's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's still colors and textures and mm-hmm. fun things. And, you know, I mean, I even think I'm playing like a jaw harp on one of the songs, you know, just <laughs> bow, bow, you know. That's amazing. Um, yeah, but it was. It, man, it was a lot of fun, a lot of cool energy. Um, and then really, like, that project was a springboard for a lot of different exposure in a lot of different industries. Yeah, so where um, did that – so it sounds like working on Super Chick was kind of your – your first biggest like initiative project that you were doing more or less. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a very, yeah, that's, that's a real accurate thing to say. So Um, where did that, where did that take you? Absolutely. That, um, that, that took me to not stop talking, but, um, (laughs) yeah, you know, on the road, you, you meet a lot of people, you Mm -hmm. know, and in that industry, um, on the gospel side of things on, you know, that it's a smaller industry sub is, you know, kind of within the bigger music industry, but, Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, started saying yes to a lot of different side projects for people or, boy, I, I've got a showcase coming up. I, I'm a singer-songwriter. I know I'm going to put together a full band. I don't mm-hmm. have one yet. Mm-hmm. Can I get you for two weekends? Um, and so started saying yes to that. Then that opened up um, being able just to even speak into doing some A&R work for some other labels, which for me was just, man, I want to get you know, insight, and I want to be able to stand on some legs in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to know how everything works. Yep. I want to know, man, okay, here's a guy that has a, a, a song, he pitches it, it gets recorded, what happens next? Mm-hmm. And I was really, really interested in all of that. And, uh, you know, 
in the in that gospel industry, Super Chick ended up signing with the Newsboys' own label, In Pop Records. Okay. International Pop is what it stood for. Um, and so for a good, I don't know, four or five years, um, Super Chick was basically like the Newsboys' house band. Mm-hmm. And like any tour that they had, okay, you know, this is just what we do. Yeah. Um, and then that allowed, again, backstage conversations, you know, uh, just on the road conversations. And you're just collecting. You're not collecting in a, in a commodity sense, but networking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's just Uber. And especially then, um, you know, I mean, cell phones were there, but not to the extent that they are now. Mm-hmm. So it still was highly relational, highly conversation driven, yeah. highly, you know, boy, we need to make a connection here. Even music, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't like, okay, you're in a studio in Seattle and I'm here and let's just bounce the files back and forth. It was right. organic and more mm-hmm. of that, which I'm loving to see the resurgence of that stuff coming back around. But yeah, um, so out of Super Chick, I started again just messing around with a, a, a bunch of different projects and artists. And one of one of the guys I landed with, um, singer-songwriter named Paul Wright, mm-hmm. uh, who was from like Eugene, Oregon, moved to Nashville, um, got signed to Goatee Records, owned by Toby Mac oh, and, yeah. and those guys. Um, so that opened up then a whole other kind of group of people that now I get to, you know, mingle with, interact with, network with, and... Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, we did a, a couple different little, you know, six week, you know, uh, eight week tours. One of them was with uh, David Crowder, the Invincible mm-hmm. tour with Telecast, David Crowder, which now this opens up a whole other world of then mm-hmm. that side. Cause, you know, at that point, Crowder with his band, man, all of those guys are like technical musical geniuses. And they were like one of the first bands, early 2000s, you know, 2000. I don't know, maybe six, seven or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, pre-iPhones, but every <laughs> one of them had a MacBook on stage, yeah. and they're running depths of tracks and depths of sounds and all of this stuff. And again, like I mean, with Superchick, we had the giant ADAT rig still. Mm-hmm. You know, we're running analog tape, and then you know made transitions as technology changed. But like working with those guys, mm-hmm. being exposed to that, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what is this? Yeah. Um, and again, you know, here every uh, all along the way, I'm I'm still yapping my gums, meeting people, and you know, collecting. Um, and I, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but, no. you know. Like assembling. Assembling, you exactly. Know? Just, just man, and I grew up with a, a dad um, who always had a guy for something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, dad, the car broke down. That's okay, I got a guy. Right. Dad, I'm looking at an engagement ring for, you know, my, my, you know, my girlfriend. I got a guy. Right. Like something that I've, I've valued is the idea of having, like, a depth of, contacts in my phone not yeah. as like a flex or not no. as like i'm some big person but like it's that like oh okay i know someone that that could help you exactly with that. and even if it's just a conversation to get then a spark of information or even like mm-hmm. dude i'm not asking you to physically do this but mm-hmm. you know in my shoes what would point me in the direction right um and so really that that was that and that's always been one of my bigger strengths um even to like this day you know having left jobs or left band i i still have full confidence i could call any one of them Mm -hmm. um and i don't mean that as as a flex but it's just more of like that's how i postured myself that's how i built Mm -hmm. you know kind of who i am to be able to do some of the things but yeah um so there was a season where i took a break 
mm-hmm. um, from from Super Chick. Mostly, again, I, I have you know five kids, and um, I wanted to uh, value my wife and my marriage, and mm-hmm. not that those things couldn't you know coexist, but just where we were at. Yeah. So, uh, two thousand seven, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah, 2007, six, seven, down at Cornerstone, which is a huge music festival in central Illinois, um, hanging out. And I meet uh, just mutual friends of friends working with production companies and working with kind of other media companies and some other things. And then um, I hear, hey, we're doing a Kid Rock, Ludacris, um, R. Kelly Sorry, guys, but it's, this is reality. <laughs> R. Kelly music video. Yeah. And they're actually filming, like, right where I was living at the time. And so me being, you know, it's like, can I come hang out? Right. And they're like, well, actually, we run the casting agency that's providing all the the, the background extras, the stand-ins, all this stuff. We'll put you to work. Like, do you want to be an extra? <laughs> all right. Yeah, you right. know what? I, why, why not? I've got, I've got a free I got a free day. Um, I actually ended up getting rear-ended in the parking lot by a girl coming home from like a bachelorette party that morning. But I show up in Lamont, Illinois Worth to do it. this. What's that? Worth it. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I get, I show up at Lamont, Illinois at this like CD bar to do this music video. And the owners of the casting company call me at like four something in the morning. Mm-hmm. And like call time to be on set was like 3.30 or something like that in the morning. Call me and they're like, we're actually in Orlando. We're stuck. We're not getting out of here. Mm-hmm. Could you act as our representative? I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What? And it's like, yeah, we're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, your reputation, kind of in a proceeding sense, you know, it's like, do you think you could act as if you you work for us? You run the company. And I'm like, okay, well, give me five like keywords to say here so that I don't look like the noob or something like that. Yeah. Like, who's this guy? You know, I walk in like, hey, dudes, I'm hip. Like, give me, give me the jargon, right? Yeah. Um, so they did. Uh-huh. And I ended up, you know, kind of running that that shoot from from the casting aspect. And again, it was non-union background extras, like, yeah. hey, you know, there's six hundred people in this club, or we need it to look like six hundred. Anyway, it was that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so I get done. It's a confidence move. I get done with that two-day venture, and it's like, then they come back to me and they say, hey, actually, we do all the casting for the Chicago production of ER. Mm -hmm. What are you doing for the next, you know, six months? Can we get you on retainer? It's (laughs) like, yes. You know, wait, did that answer the question? I don't know. Wait, what was the question? So uh, that launched into this whole world of me doing casting, which... Again, I'm still in the industry. I'm still doing stuff. I'm still picking up side jobs, wedding bands, mm-hmm. all these things. But now I'm exposed to this whole other side of yeah. the entertainment industry. And it's kind of like circling to what we were talking about at the beginning, the power of saying yes. Yeah, absolutely. You exactly. And, th- and, that's, and truly, and I probably had no business, but understanding casting mm-hmm. is all based on relationships. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you, you get the orders from the production company. Here's the scenes, and here's even the demographic breakdown. Mm-hmm. So so we need 30% this, 20% this. We need, you know, 17% ages 50 and above, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and so I like to talk to people. So I'm on the phone. I'm, I'm putting together this now roster of this pool of extras, which could be everything from SAG and after actors who are like, okay, I don't like eating mac and cheese all the time. I actually need to work uh, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they can only accept so many projects in a given, mm-hmm. you know, non-union things. But then to the... To the house, you know, the the retired, you know, uh, house mom was just like, I'm I'm bored today. 
I'll be an extra um, to then even honestly, like there's some homeless guys that are like, wait a minute, free lunch. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be an extra. Yeah. Um, so I've, I worked on like all the Batman movies in the city, the Transformers movies, a bunch of one off some pilots for NBC, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is fascinating yeah. because now I'm getting kind of like the other side of, you know, some of that industry. Uh, especially then getting to know the the music script supervisors and those guys right mm-hmm. away. And really, I got on set and, you know, you want to become best friends with the costumers mm-hmm. because it's like, hey, uh, that box of, you know, all the stuff that you didn't use, what are you going to do with that? They're like, donate it to Goodwill. Uh-huh. Well, wink, wink, I'll take it to Goodwill for you, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I got some pretty sweet jackets out of that. And you get to know the hair and makeup so you can get a nice haircut. Get uh-huh. to know craft services because uh-huh. they're the ones that put food I in your belly. I expect one of these jackets. Oh, absolutely. Just, just absolutely. putting that out there. Dude, I, it's like brown <laughs> brown corduroy with like Sherpa lining. It's it gorgeous. amazing. Oh, it's gorgeous. You and know I where I live. got that one from uh, The Time Traveler's <laughs> Wife with uh, Eric Bana, Rachel McAdams. Um, they did a bunch of stuff at Lincoln Park Zoo. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was, it was this, again, uh, going back to... You know, here I am saying yes to this stuff. Uh-huh. And, you know, and that's an interesting, especially in Chicago on the casting side, it's a small group of people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you're calling them at midnight to say, hey, can you be two hours away from where you actually live with the perhaps remote chance that we might actually use you? Um, because there's so many variables, mm-hmm. you know, and understanding what is it like two hours of like recorded film equates to like 10 seconds of screen time, yeah. you know, and, and, um, but now through that, now I'm talking to all of these assistant directors and right. script supervisors and continuity directors and Foley artists and gaffers mm-hmm. and electricians. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm just kind of networking and I'm building this whole, you know, Man, what what could come out of this, you know, mentality? Mm-hmm. Which again goes back to the the MacGyver, the the James Bond, the Robin Hood, because it's you know, yep. what do you need? How can I serve you? Mm-hmm. Boy, how did I get myself here? Right. And what do I do to get out of this as you know harmlessly as possible? Right. Um, and then the MacGyver of like, I don't know what I don't know the words to speak, so mm-hmm. I got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. How do I make do with what I have? Um, so I did that for. Almost ten years, man. And tell me, um, where did where did that take you? Uh, you know what? That took me back into doing like cover band work. Mm-hmm. Um, played with a couple big, bigger, you know, or not bigger in the sense of frequency of gigs, you know, mm-hmm. through gig masters or even just word of mouth. Um, brought me back into that, and then actually it brought me into um, teaching at a high school. Really? Um, yep. So one day sitting on, on, you know, on one of the sets, ER, whatever it might have been, um, talking with someone and it's, you know, boy, I, what do you do? I'm a teacher. We're at, oh, that's kind of right by where we live. We're in a huge shortage. Boy, with your personality, you would make a really good... <laughs> with your personality. You would make a... You have a great temperament. You'd be a great special ed teacher. And God bless special ed teachers because, boy, they they are highly necessary and they are mm-hmm. our saints. But then at the time, it's like, okay, boy, we were paying like self-employment taxes. We're paying our own insurance. Mind you, we have five kids. Mm -hmm. So it was almost a strategic move of like, you know what? Okay, wait a minute. This is like amazing Illinois State insurance. It was all this. And so it was almost motivated out of that of like, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, I'm tired of paying like out of pocket for all of these things. So I said yes. Yeah. So and it didn't hurt that my wife's father, my father-in-law, 
was also a principal in that district, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is all like, right, so right. then like, I'm like, you know, wait a minute, sir, do you know this person? Well, they said I should do this. He's like, oh, absolutely. I'll make some calls. Um, <laughs> so, yep. so I jumped in and, uh, you know, did, did some special ed teaching and, but it was one of those, like, what do you teach? Well, what do you need to be taught? Mm-hmm. And so even that working with the department chair, it's like, you know what, actually, we're going to kind of create some flexibility, some freedom here around you and your personality, which hmm. then, again, I'm teaching jobs classes and I'm yeah. teaching kind of transitional ethics and character kind of stuff at a public high school, which is really kind of a, a strange situation to be in. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, can you do this? Absolutely. Yeah, um, that makes that makes for like a fun life, though. And I mean, your story isn't for everyone. For no, sure. absolutely. But there's something special about like I'm just picturing this this like story where like one of time traveling and jumping into different spots of your life. And you're like, he's doing what now? Yeah. You know? Oh, but, absolutely. Like you look at my formal resume and <laughs> and it's it's almost like, you know, on the vocational side of things. Yeah. You know, you, you look at the formal resume and it's. Okay, so in the last 25 years, almost every five years, I've changed industries. Mm-hmm. Everything from, uh, you know, education to, uh, like, concrete, you know, like, actual, like, labor, you know, construction, that kind of, to then the casting, mm-hmm. to then um, I worked uh, kind of sales and marketing with the firm. But, again, picking up side jobs musician-wise, then you come back for, you know, a couple weeks. It's like, wow, I don't have anything to do for six weeks. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll start a painting company. Pick up a brush, and you know, because it's not just—it's not just like you know, I will paint. It's like, wait a minute, no, I've got the—I could do this. Yeah, I'll start a cut, you know. And so it's—it's, and you know, I have a a joke with with my wife of really like every four and a half to five years, I get this itch of like, I feel like I need to start a business, buy a business, launch a franchise, (laughs) something, you know. Do you have ADD? I probably, probably, (laughs) or 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 I or I just or I just have the uncanny like. I can do anything. You know, it, it is one of those like, mm-hmm. you know, even this week, man, I, I got a phone call from a very large Chicago-based organization inviting me to uh, apply and interview for some things. It's like, mm-hmm. I, have n- I have no idea what this is. Mm-hmm. How did my name even get brought to the table? I asked that question. I said, you know, because it was, hey, you know, uh, your name kind of came by multiple times in conversations mm-hmm. and it's like how did that even happen yeah and it's you know actually it's a six-month contract we think you'd be perfect for it um and so i have until friday this week to uh give them some thoughts on it and so now i'm scrambling once over again of like give me the jargon mm-hmm. give me the key things to say um truly what is the form and function you know all of that stuff so it's still happening mm-hmm. uh you know so it, but i appreciate what you said there yeah my, my story is not for everyone because um it is absolutely not traditional it is not mm-hmm. orthodox by any means to say you know uh, yeah to to kind of go through the the resume of mm-hmm. what did you do when when did you do it how did you do it mm-hmm. and how did you even get into that you know yeah. it's it's one of those but again for me it all it all comes back to that that energy that momentum that just not being afraid to say yes mm-hmm. um, to you know stretching yourself Mm-hmm. As a as a professional, or even as an up and coming, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's been way too many things. I remember one of my private lesson teachers, Steve Prisnicki, great guy, really good for me at the time, mm-hmm. and saw something in me that I probably didn't see in myself. Yeah, and it's like, hey man, I'm out of town this weekend. We're doing this 
production of Hello Dolly or Mame or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the first times. And again, I'm probably like a junior in high school at this time, sophomore, junior. But I'm looking at all these charts. It's like, oh, my goodness, I can read timpani music. I can read, you know, uh, xylophone, uh, you know, it's snare. It's like, this is a full-out chart. Why are you giving me a chart with, like, the brass lines and mm-hmm. with, you know, the lead lines of the vocal? And I don't – how does that relate to drum set? You know, and so – but yeah. it's – and so moments like that where it's like, man, all right, fake it till I make it. Here I go. Let's hold on tight. And, I'll, you know, I mean, it's full transparency. It didn't always work out every single time. Oh, sure. I mean, you know – It's part of the journey, though. It's, it's part of the journey. Like that whole idea of fake it till you make it sounds cheap, but really what's going on is it's, it's stretching yourself so then you, like, grow to that level. That's exactly. the fastest way to learn things. Like, yeah. I mean, fake it till you make it. It's it's like a cheap way of some, saying something that's really valuable. Yeah, like, and it's almost like you don't and and I don't know who said this. You know, internet people, you can look it up. But it's like you don't actually rise to the occasion. You fall to your highest level of competency. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm, and so I like that. yeah, and I I truly forget who said it. And I might even be be butchering it, but that's how I took it. Of mm-hmm. like, okay, so how do I make sure I'm prepared enough? And then, yeah, I think there is still that little component of stretching within, but it's like when someone's like, wow, you really rose to the occasion. It's like, well, actually, you don't know the hours I've put in Mm -hmm. behind the scenes, even, you know, and you look at like the whole, you know, iceberg picture where it's like, we just see the top 10%. Mm -hmm. What you don't see is the 600 hours I spent, you know, working on double stroke rolls and, Mm -hmm. you know, conga patterns, you know, with my hands and you don't see the broken knuckles on every hand, you know, from hitting the congas way too hard, you know, congas and martial amps don't usually go together hand (laughs) in hand and... (laughs) <laughs> multiple shows you showed up it's like we have one sm57 for your congas where would you like me to put it like, it's like wait a minute <laughs> and i'm going up against like you know uh, full again marshall stacks and ampeg you know the refrigerator base cabin it's like <laughs> this ain't gonna work man but but then that forced me to really learn audio mm-hmm. because it's like okay so i'm gonna invest in a board for myself yeah and my own rig so now i'm just gonna send you stereo feeds i'm gonna submix myself mm-hmm. so now I'm, I'm learning you know anyway yeah, yeah we it's like as there's board. a need you learn a little bit more exactly and that makes you more you know deadly and i hope here's my my true my hope and prayer i hope i never stop Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even now, some of the stuff I find myself, truly, I will come home and say to my, I don't know how I ended up here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I ended up in this conversation mm-hmm. with this group of people yeah. doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do, obviously, you do know, but there is like that conceptual, like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, what is happening right now? Right. Um, and I'm excited for that. I, mm-hmm. I truly am like that. I think that energizes me. Yeah. That, that kind of gives me momentum to to keep going. Um, and now, uh, one of the, I'll use the word conviction. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've really been focused on is how do I now be that person in someone else's life? You know, that's okay. So that was kind of what was in my mind. So that's perfect transition because I kind of, I've been asking this sort of question for pretty much everyone and and it's like looking forward like what's the next step for you yeah. what's your dream what's something about the future and i was almost like i don't even know if he knows because it's been so so sure not chaotic but so random like your story to get you here like i feel like correct me if i'm wrong it's kind of like i don't know what's next yeah you know what there is a th- yeah absolutely that that is uh, you know a hundred percent um so in that 
it's like okay so i don't know what to do but i can do i can still do something like mm-hmm. i grew up again with a, with an amazing dad who a we were not victims but b you may not know what to do a hundred percent but you can still do something mm-hmm. you know and and that was my dad it was even like I, honestly i don't care what you do do something you mm-hmm. know and so there's there is a little bit of of that and he was a navy guy military guy so it's not rigid in the house but still there was this like i don't care what you do do something yeah. do something do something and so again it's the momentum of like okay so i'm now saying yes to myself of well, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And now a little bit of, you know, future with hindsight in mind of mm-hmm. like, I look back and I say, okay, some of the goofy industries, some of the goofy things and some of the cool things, you know, mm-hmm. I've been able to do really came at the hands of somebody opening a door yeah, or somebody taking a chance mm-hmm. or again, like Dave Psyche, amazing man one of the one of the most influential drummers in my life mm-hmm. um his playing is fluid i will use that word fluid because mm-hmm. it's like oh my gosh every, like he's moving poetically and it's so beautiful and he was one of the guys like man i'm gonna invest some gear into you because i see something that maybe you don't see right away mm-hmm. um and i still have it he worked for yamaha drums and i still have like the original <laughs> the stuff he he invested in me in this amazing old school slingerland kit um yeah Anyway, so now I'm looking for, very consciously looking mm-hmm. for, um, almost I'm seeking out like, all right, how do I now posture myself to be that person, to be that mm-hmm. Dave Psyche, to mm-hmm. be that Max? Um, yeah. Because, you know, Max with, with Super Chick, uh, you know, and Church Rhythm, and, you know, Max has gone on to, you know, I mean, amass an amazing, you know, uh, list of, of accolades and accomplishments um, yeah. across multiple industries. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Again, uh, you know, here it's like, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a chance. I'm mm-hmm. gonna this. Um, w- it's kind of like this whole, I got, I've done all of these things and I've collected these things. How can I now pass that off Absolutely. to other people? Yeah. Any dreams for how that could look? You know what? No, y- yes and no. Um, there's a really good book series, uh, an author named Bob Berg, and he co-wrote it with someone else. But it's called The Go Giver. I've series. heard of that. Yeah, it's maybe a red it was book. from you. I'm sure it was. We it were discussing was. it. Yeah. Because you know, it, and it's this concept of we live in a world of go getters. Mm-hmm. Everybody dog eat dog. I'm gonna get mine. I'm gonna you know, but it's like mm-hmm. actually you can even go back and look at like empirical data on success of companies. Mm-hmm. And the companies that usually surpass and like have timelessness, mm-hmm. some point, somehow, some way, there's this benevolent kind of, you know, investment into someone, something mm-hmm. beyond themselves. Yeah. At their own cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, you know, going through those books, which were, you know, a fantastic read. Um, now again, I think for me, it's just that conscious awareness of, Mm -hmm. I don't specifically know, I know, and I've got some ideas. I'm working with some business plans, some models right now, um, writing some high level, uh, teachings, curriculums, leadership trainings, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, that's me doing my due diligence on the prep side because, you know, again, like I alluded to this, this company that just reached out. Well, I'm going to be able to draw on that going mm-hmm. into this next conversation. Yeah. That might be an open door, maybe not for what they think, mm-hmm. but it may be an open door now for me to step into that kind of role. Yeah. Um and and for me it's it's one thing to say it again, you know, as as the adage, you know, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to be like, dude, I'm working out today. 
Mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing this today. Yeah. It's another thing to actually like drop down and do some push-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I'm I feel like right now I'm in a season of laying that groundwork. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the push-ups. I'm doing the hard work. I'm writing. I'm putting pen to paper on stuff. Yeah. I'm reaching out to guys who are you know several years my senior in industries mm-hmm. that kind of offer mm-hmm. uh, generically kind of that coaching that that you know kind of empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not not afraid to you know overextend and jump into some situations that stretch me, mm-hmm. um, but then hopefully will then lead to man, you know just just give me better framework on what this could look like. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that that's the that's the future. Yeah. Um, well, I like the fact that you're you're a visionary. I I think in a, we think in a similar way because sure. of that, like dreams and visions, and like well, man, like let's just try this random thing or yeah. like learn this random thing but constantly dreaming for what what could be yeah um think that's really special and i think honestly the way that that you talk about that like i feel kind of like inspired of like yeah like think big let's do these things let's just try it see what happens and i think that's something that a lot of people could find inspiration into so i don't know it's just cool hearing that um that vision from you so yeah and as I said, even before we started writing this, now I'm I'm processing all of that truly, and I said it kind of jokingly before we even started chatting today. Mm-hmm. Um, processing all of that in light of the quote John Lennon, you know, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, mm-hmm. um, and I think especially giving a nod to what happened over the last eighteen months, and mm-hmm. and so it's still the ability to stop and appreciate what is happening. Yeah. Kind of being in that moment mm-hmm. and just, man, how do I make goals, make plans, have visions yeah. and want to get so excited about it, but I never want to get so excited that it's like, wait a minute, what did I just miss? Mm-hmm. And you know, and so there's that tension, that yeah. tension that that we constantly manage. And I think as creatives, as artists, as even human beings because I think every human is creative in their own right whether mm-hmm. they want to admit it or not, but yeah. you know, how do you and I think maybe that's one of the goals of life is man how do we manage that tension of mm-hmm. boy i want to be here but i also want to go forward you know yeah um and i think that's a beautiful space to be in oh 100 percent. and and i think that that's the open. joy of the journey absolutely i like yeah. how you said that yeah it's fun stuff that's cool well hey we're just about out of time um but first of all thank you for Dude, thanks this for conversation that was fun i this is fun I feel like there's a lot of things still that you haven't. Absolutely. Um, Come on, man. Right. Who knows? Well, maybe it's future seasons have if a you, part uh, two. If and I haven't like, talked about Kanye oh, yet. Right. Yeah, right. Michelle Obama. We've got a, I've got a great story with Michelle. I don't even. I can't even. Um, I can't even. This is this is too many interesting things for season one. Driving cars. On <laughs> ER. There's there's a ton of. Th- I mean, yeah, there's. Oh my goodness gracious! There's there's a thousand things. You know what? Yeah, you got to ease me into your make life. Make a list. Just make a list. And I don't say that. Make a list of like, you know what? Maybe we could talk about this, you know, uh-huh, we'll, just, we'll uh-huh. figure it out, man. Yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a part two and be like, these are the things that we didn't talk about that we could have talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, good. I'm excited for that. The future is bright. Me too, man. Yeah. And uh, bless you guys. Uh, appreciate what you guys do here and yeah. um, wish you guys a lot of a lot I, of success. I can think of no more appropriate way to finish season one than with oh, my goodness uh, gracious. this conversation. Dude, that's mm. an honor, oh, truly. Man, that's great. Well, I'm excited for your future, for Thanks, the future brother. of the studio, for Absolutely. just all the... All the things. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, thankful for caffeine. Oh, yes. And caffeinated records. Bless. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> all right. See y'all in season two. Peace. Bye. That was fun, man. That was cool. Thanks Thank for, you. Thanks for being Are you kidding me?
Yeah, so truly I, I say this in, in jest, but it's it's reality. 2009 was the strangest and probably hardest year of my marriage, but strangest year vocationally. Mm-hmm. I ended up working for Oprah that year. Really? Kanye. Had two run-ins with the Obama family. Um, run-ins, guys, do you mean like you're at Woodman's and you're like, oh, sure. No, no, I'm... <laughs> working on projects like one of them I was working on the set of ER and Michelle Obama wanted to get the kids as extras and I had to be the one to say no. Oh, oh, hold yeah. on, oh. you said no to Michelle Obama? Are we still oh. recording? Yeah. <laughs>